I'm Maria Schwartz, along with Rachel Galligan, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. After cementing himself as one of the top coaches in the league, Kurt Miller moved on from Connecticut to be the head coach of the LA Sparks. This episode, Kurt joins us to discuss the wild offseason and his new job. our show please consider joining our patreon community patreon.com backslash windsider for less than a cup of coffee a month you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the w and don't forget to see our amazing staff's written content over at windsider.com that's windsider.com and remember check the show notes for all of our sponsor links we have the honor of welcoming a true superstar in our game 32-year coaching veteran Combined at the collegiate and the professional levels, five-time MAC conference champion, seven-time regular season MAC champion, two-time WNBA Coach of the Year, Executive of the Year, the former Connecticut Sun head coach, and the newly named head coach of the Los Angeles Sparks, Kurt Miller. Coach, we are so honored to have you here on the show. Welcome. How are you doing through this whirlwind of the past few weeks? Well, first, great to be here, Rachel. It's been a little bit too long, but happy to be back on. Um, yeah, it's been it's been insane. When I get called, one of the first questions everyone asks me is, "Where am I?" And and I don't always know. But uh, um, exciting, exciting times, and uh, really looking forward to continuing to grind as we get started in LA. Kurt, you're a big name in the W, but it feels like just a few years ago. You're an assistant coach for the LA Sparks. Uh, you have so much more WNBA experience now. And I'm curious for you, what's it like to reflect back on this journey to this point? I mean, the the early stages, but also, you know, recently you left a franchise that you really built up to a contender. Um, and now you're moving on to a team that missed the playoffs last year. Yeah, it's been, uh, you know, it's a little bit, you have to pinch yourself. Um, eight years ago, I made the transition after a long time collegiate career to the pro game and had an unbelievable first year experience in in LA. Um, and they had a star studded team. When I walked in to assist Brian Agler, um, you had Candace Parker and Neko Ogumike, one of the greatest leaders I've ever been around and Elena Beard and Christy Tolliver. And, and, and the list goes on to, uh, to that 2015 team. And so my experience and transition to the pro game was outstanding with the people I got to work with. And it made an lasting impression on me and, and really impacted this decision um, because I had such fond memories of my first year in the league and working in LA and all the advantages of the market of LA. And so um, it's come full circle and I had an unbelievable uh, experience in Connecticut. I would be remiss not to, thank them for all the support and uh, the fan base and the incredible players that I got to coach through my seven years there. Three incredible bosses, Chris Sienko, who hired me, Amber Cox, and then most recently, Jen Rosati. I, I just had three remarkable leaders that I had great relationships with, going to be lifelong um, friends with all three. And so, you know, it's just, it, it's, 
it's been a, a fantastic experience in the WNBA and I'm honored and humbled to work with these great players and excited that I, I have um, a new challenge and the excitement of being now back in LA. Before I talk a little bit about LA and ask you some questions about LA, I, I want to say, I think I speak for a lot of, a lot of people. Um, I know I speak for myself personally. Um, I want to say congratulations for the job you did do in Connecticut. It was an absolute blast to watch what you and your staff had built there all those years. Really enjoyed watching it. Fun to analyze it. Um, certainly an end of an era, but definitely one that I think a lot of us will hold deep in our hearts. I commend you for everything that you guys had built there. But, you know, it, it feels like we're in a period of time right now. It's like free agency, but for coaches. Um, and I know you had to have been highly sought after in terms of WNBA head coaching vacancies. But what was it about L.A. in particular, this franchise, this roster, the makeup of it that appeals to you so much? You know, it was certainly... Uh, a humbling, you know, off season, um, and and it doesn't seem like it's even started, but it's it's been a humbling and uh, really honored um, this off season with the conversations I've had and um, um, the people that I've gotten to talk to around the league, and it all started with support from Connecticut and uh, and and this off season. So after returning from the World Cup and that amazing experience of winning a gold medal for Team USA. Um, it's just been a humbling offseason. Uh, but through it all, um, LA was such an unbelievable opportunity. And once again, I said, after my experience in 2015, if the opportunity ever presented itself to come back to LA and be the head coach, it would be something very, very difficult to walk away from. And there's something special about the iconic franchise. It's, there's something special about the Sparks that it, being in L.A. Um, as a destination location for these players in this league. And you think about the MVPs, you think about the three championships, you think about um, the incredible um, venue that they play in, and, and it just goes on and on. And then I'm a builder, and Rachel, you know me as well as anyone um, that interviews me. Uh, I love the challenge of building. Um, and with uh, a lot of cap space, um, it, it just seemed like the perfect time. And when LA showed interest in me, um, it was something that I was really excited to listen to and ultimately um you know, honored to be their next head coach and join them in this building process at a very fun time with a lot of cap space and a lot of ability to put your own imprint in, on it and really build it um, with the culture and, and the and the areas that you feel so much, uh, that you believe in so much that I get to have a, a major say in that. It's so funny. You literally took the words right out of my mouth. I was getting ready to talk um, about your long track record of building, just building success from the collegiate ranks all the way to Connecticut. It's really just been your identity and who you are for the entirety of your career. Entering into this situation in LA, um, we'll get into a little bit more specifics here in a little bit, but clearly there's a lot of flexibility, um, a lot of opportunity and opportunity for you to kind of, you know, make that mold it into what that exactly is going to look like. Um, 
you know, what are the, the pieces that excite you about this? What, and more, most importantly, what is your, your vision for this team moving forward, at least when it comes to that first step of the next, you know, year or whatever that may be? Yeah, I think the thing that excites me the most is building it with great people. And, you know, I'm a big believer that culture wins. I'm a big believer when you get the locker room right, when you surround yourself with servant leaders on your staff, when you sat around yourself with unselfish players, you have the ability to overachieve. You have the ability to do some really special things. And throughout my career, we our teams that have won championships weren't always the most talented. And then there was years that you could argue we had the most talent at the collegiate level in the MAC conference. Um, you could argue that we had some of the you know best talent um, at Connecticut through the years. But there was other years through injuries and, and having to pivot, um, I, I, you know, take pride in having teams overachieve and being able to pivot and being able to put themselves in contention year in and year out and have that sustainability and sustained success, which is so important. Um, you know, and so, you know, first Rachel, it starts, you know, as the formulation of the staff, I'm currently involved in the search for a general manager. Um, I'm actively um, pursuing my assistant coaches and um, the the support staff to put around me that you know that we complement each other and that we we bring in servant leaders that are all about these players. That's what this league is about, and it's just so exciting and it's really energized me uh, thinking about just doing this with good people. Lots of teams have cap space. Lots of teams have to sign a bunch of people. This free agency period is not going to be easy for any of the teams. It is going to be a difficult, challenging process, but my pledge is that we're going to hunt out uh, players that fit what we're looking for in the Sparks organization and, and first and foremost, that starts with, I want to bring in a lot of great people. It's LA, right? There's expectations when you're an LA sports team. It's a huge market. Uh, the homers, they want their team to win and they've experienced victory before. So, you know, we all know contenders don't just appear. It takes lots of work. But I'm, I'm curious, you know, this team didn't make the playoffs last year. It has a very open roster. How do you kind of set expectations realistically for the the staff, the ownership, the the players, and and the fan base. Yeah, I think it's transparency. I think it's honest talk and not coaching cliches that you know we're going to try to do this right, and it may not happen overnight. But we're committed to the journey. We're committed to the process, and and we're not going to cut corners and and try to swing for the fences if it if it you know, is not part of our pillars. And, and we sacrifice um, areas that we believe that can sustain success over the long haul. We're not going to cut corners then and, and, and try to do it that way. We're going to do it right. So, um, you know, you, there's a lot of people that, that will want to be in LA. And so um, I'm not going to tell you that we can't be great right out of the gate. I would never say that, but uh, we're also realistic in what we're trying to build. And we want to try to build something that's sustainable over the long haul. I can't even imagine all of the moving parts that <laughs> you've got going on right now. You already talked about, um, you know, building out your staff. And obviously that GM position is going to be so vital to success. 
um, all of those moving parts taking place right now. You haven't even had a moment to breathe um, from the end of the season and then even being in Australia um, to making this move. And now, you know, we've got college basketball starting back up. Um, what is your, I just kind of want to get a sense of, well, I know you're probably going back and forth, what, between probably Indiana and LA, but what are the next, you know, six months, not even six months, next three months going to look like for you in terms of scouting, hiring, and getting all of this, you know, kind of in line the way you need it to be? Yeah, you know, you hit it all in the head, uh, Rachel. I am in Indiana, the off, you know, my off-season home uh, through my tenure in Connecticut. Um, I am officially out and moved out and have all my stuff out of the state of Connecticut, but I still got to get myself um, more on a permanent basis out to LA. Probably won't take place until the new year. So I have short trips back and forth. At the same time, as you mentioned, looking at the holiday tournaments in non-conference play in college basketball to prepare for the draft. We are currently sitting uh, with a second pick in the second round, so 14 overall. Uh, that pick requires a big cast of a web because you just don't know who will be on the board uh, when you're on the clock. So, um, you know, I love to scout in person. And so um, I've already mapped out some Thanksgiving tournaments to be at and looking long range at some December tournaments before we get into the great matchups of conference play. But like every WNBA team, 7 o'clock Eastern rolls around. Most of us have two or three devices open and watching games already. Uh, it's exciting to see the first week of college basketball and the excitement that goes around with that. I've talked off uh, the ledge a bunch of college coaches already when they didn't play well in their first game, reminding them that it's a long season. So I'm also giving out some free consulting uh, advice to my college colleagues that um, are starting their seasons. But, uh, and then most importantly to me is staffing. Um, I'm having great conversations, again, casting a web with great people. Uh, I believe I'll be able to share news in the near future. And uh, as probably people saw on social media today, I was excited yeah, today. So, we were going to so about we, that one. Yeah, so we, you know, hopefully have good news being able to share here soon. So um, I'm excited. It's it's starting to all come together. I'm going to resist the urge to really put, you know, the the flame to your feet and tell us. We'll, we'll wait. We'll be patient and wait. Be um, patient. Yeah. <laughs> Not my greatest trait, but I'll try. Uh, you know, look, we, we look at this L.A. roster, right? There's some big name free agents. NECA, Shanae, Brittany Sykes, Christy Tolliver, um, just right? Like everybody in the WNBA world knows those names, but you also have uh, a lot of young talent coming through here uh, who's still currently on roster. Shout out to Her Hoop Stats for providing uh, the roster information. It's a, a necessity for us who cover the league, but you know, Katie Lou, Kennedy, uh, Jazz Walker, Ray Burrell, and uh, Olivia Nelson Adota. It's, it's very much a clean slate with, with a lot of room to make moves. We've talked about this, but you do have these young players with star potential um, obviously so many things can happen. Heck, there isn't even a person in the GM role yet. Um, but I'm, I'm curious for you in a, in an ideal situation, are these young players that are ready to step into bigger roles or are you guys thinking that you need to bring in some more vets for the immediate future, but they do have long-term, you know, roles on this team? Yeah, I think in the perfect scenario, there's a balance on your roster of veteran leadership, veteran talent, 
uh, along with up and coming talent and young growing talent. And obviously sometimes those uh, players are under contract at a little bit less salary. So as you all know, it's, it's not the best 12. It's not the best 11 people that you can put on a roster. It's the best 11 that you can fit under the salary cap. It's the best 12 you can fit under the salary cap. In the perfect world for us, we'll have a great balance. That's what uh, I'd love to see um, out of the gate with our roster, with veteran leaders, with veteran talent, along with up-and-coming talent. All right, I want to kind of switch gears here. I want to talk about the league in general, um, especially how that bar has been set or continues to be pushed higher <laughs> um, from from whether it's a head coaching or even G- GM perspective. I mean, we could talk about your former player slash colleague, Becky Hammond, and what Las Vegas has done, um, really pushing the envelope there. And there also seems to be a bit of a shift from that um, GM slash head coaching role. I know Shale Reeve recently had talked about how everyone used to kind of be in that dual role. And now the requirements, the responsibilities have shifted so much that it almost feels like um, different franchises, different teams are going away from that. You've kind of been in both positions. Um, You've seen the league grow tremendously during your time. I'm just, I kind of want to pick your brain just about that, that financial investment that we're seeing, um, you know, from owners in this league, but also the head coach slash GM role that we kind of see shifting right now. Yeah, I think there's definitely a a shift intentionally. Um, Understanding with the new CBA, understanding with the new cap, um, that the GM role is really more skillful and tactical than ever before. And it is understandably um, a difficult dual hat role. And I loved it. I enjoyed it. I learned so much about the league. And uh, because of the additional role in Connecticut with the GM, but it is certainly not what it used to be. And it is a really, really important hire by the franchises around the league. It is a full-time job. It is a a job that takes, um, you know, foresight and tactician and negotiating skills. And there is so much that goes into that role that people don't realize. And uh, you're seeing intentionally more and more franchise move away from the dual hat to separate um, and talented position, uh, people being hired separately from the head coach and GM. And I think that's only going to continue. I think that's only going to continue because we all recognize that the GM role has really expanded and the GM role is much more difficult under this new cap under this new CBA than it was just a handful of years ago. You know, if, if you're an LA Sparks fan, you got to be happy that you've taken over this role, considering your history, knowing how to work the cap space, the GM positions and stuff like that. But I'm always so curious because you've definitely made a name for yourself. Rachel ran over all the accomplishments earlier on, but I'm, I'm just so curious how as a coach kind of let, let us pick your brain a little bit here. As a coach, how do you feel your coaching adapts to the different rosters that you have? You know, it's it's one of the areas that I feel like I've proven myself in this league with the ability to pivot, you know, and, and it's unfortunate that I had to. Uh, but Ke- uh, Connecticut at times, we felt we were snake bit um, with a, a major injury. When you just look at the last three seasons, JJ opts out of the bubble season because of concerns over COVID. Um 
in the, in the next season, we lose Alyssa Thomas essentially for the entire regular season. She comes back right at the end of the year. We try to incorporate her into the playoffs. We're the number one seed um, playing almost the entire season without Alyssa Thomas. And then this season, you know, early in the season, losing your your leader in the locker room and your point guard in Jasmine Thomas. And we were still, you know, more than competitive. We were championship contenders and we were right there in all those seasons. And, you know, earlier on, you know, we lost Chine for a year early in my career. And the one season that we had our entire starting lineup and didn't have a major injury was 2019. And we went to game five of the championship series. So, you know, it's just like, I, I pride myself that we were able to hold the locker room together when we had a major injury or a major player missing a season, we were able to pivot and play to the strengths of our players. And so I get asked all the time, and I'm assuming I would get asked today, how are you going to play? And I don't, I don't really know yet. Um, um, I believe uh, in up-tempo basketball, I'm a pick and roll coach. There's going to be a lot of offensive attacking style, pick and roll offenses. The game continues um, to mold itself after the NBA. Um, it's a copycat league. Becky really challenges us all to bring even more NBA style and NBA um, types of play into our league offensively. Defensively is where we hung our hat recent years uh, when I was at Connecticut. And that's not going to change with the aggressive physicality that I believe in defensively, but ultimately probably not until mid-February as signing start and free agency kind of plays itself out. Will I really be able to come back and tell you guys, now I have a vision. Now I know what the roster is looking like. Now I can really formulate how we definitely want to play. Well, I look forward to having that conversation. Um, and again, I have to commend you, you know, you're going through all those years at Connecticut um, and it's just, you can't help but wonder and also think about, man, how this team, how you guys were able to have the success you had with such key pieces. Like you said, not really getting to see the entirety of that team at full strength um, and what could have been, but yet still being up in that contention every year. Um, again, just really speaks to your ability to pivot, um, to, to face adversity head on. And honestly, like, I'm just going to say it. Maybe I'm completely biased, everybody. I really don't care. It's why you're one of the best in the world. Um, I want to go ahead now. We're, we got a few more quick hitters for you. Just, just some kind of fun, really tough questions before you head out. A few more things we want to pick your brain on. I do want to ask, you know, Team USA experience. I know you kind of had to basically, like, the, the, the whistles blew and you had to get on a plane. But how was the experience of going right from the finals to Australia and being a part of um, winning gold out there? It was an absolutely amazing experience. And probably needed um, that long flight over 36 hours after we're eliminated in, in the finals and, and come up short in the finals to all said now represent your country and, and be back around, you know, some of the great coaches. I, I've really enjoyed uh, in my supportive role to Cheryl and, and Mike Tebow, two WNBA coaches on that staff. Um, I am the head scout for Team USA right now's national team, along with Katie Smith. And so Katie Smith, also a former WNBA head coach and, and the great assistant up in Minnesota, you know, we work really closely in a supportive role for uh, this outstanding staff. 
but Cheryl's so collaborative. Um, it's just an incredible experience to represent your country and have a voice in the room with the, you know, one of the dynasties of all dynasties. And that's, you know, the national women's team. Um, it's just remarkable. And then to watch, uh, three players from the aces and, and two players from the sun join the team. So five of the 12 never have a day of practice with that group and constant and continue to find a way to play eight games in 10 days and bring back the gold was just a remarkable experience. Uh, I returned on, uh, on fumes, but, uh, I wouldn't trade it for the world. That was an unbelievable experience. Yeah. I, I gotta say, you know, having 36 hours away from social media and kind of a break might've been really nice. I can see that. I'm, I'm very curious for you. You've been around the league for a while. Uh, and I always ask this question similar for players, but which coach is the hardest or maybe most fun for you to game plan against? Ooh, great question. Um, and it's, it's not just one, the league is just incredibly filled with coaches. Um, you know, I have always, um, appreciated the challenge and the preparation that goes into preparing against the veteran coaches in the league. Mike Tebow is fantastic. Cheryl Reeve is fantastic. I take those as personal challenges to coach against those guys, you know, before Brian Agler uh, left the league, you know, the Bill Lambeer, those veteran coaches were, you know, like they challenged, they understood the league. They had great demeanors. They understood how to get the best out of their players. So those were always challenges. Now, Becky's brought a new style, um, always fun. And, and then in, in her own right, Tanisha Wright brought a new style to the, to the league, which I'll be curious to see, you know, how many people um, copycat some of the stuff that she brought to the league. So um, fresh voices on the sideline, new faces on the sidelines. Again, we're a copycat league. It's fun to see how everybody brings pieces. And, and when I see what I brought into the league eight years ago and in almost every franchise, if not every franchise, you know, has copied some of the stuff that I brought from the collegiate game into the pro game, you know, you just smile um, that, you know, you know, you're doing something right when your stuff starts to be uh, put in everybody else's playbook. But so I'm not going to just say one person, but uh, those veteran coaches really, really challenge your preparation. And you guys know how much that's my number one pillar is preparation. All right. Two more questions. They're going to get really hard. I apologize in advance. Please don't hate me after this. Um, put, 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 put basketball aside. Um, what is it that you are most excited about doing out in LA, whether that's um, an event or something to go to the beach, going out to eat? I mean, this is a, a big change of scenery for you, but what are you most excited about living out in LA? You know, I've, I was, when you're in an assistant supporting role, I had an unbelievable experience in 2015. And one of the things that I enjoyed was I lived close enough to the ocean that every single morning before I left for practice, I walked, um, all, you know, in Venice to Santa Monica, um, you know, Marina del Rey, I walked on the water, I walked on the beach and it put me in such a good space going into practice every each and every day. And those, you know, those coaches meetings with coach Agler that I really felt, um, uniquely in a good spot. And again, you don't have the pressure as an assistant coach, like you do a head coach and I'm going to be out there as a head coach. So it will be different than my experience in 2015, but to know that each day could start 
walking along the ocean yeah. on the beach and, you know, before practice, after practice, um, I had some unbelievable opportunities this off season, but the drawback to LA um, and that lifestyle and that ability away from the game um, is something that I'm, I'm really looking forward to. All right. We saved the best for last. You said the internet ablaze in the bubble are the floral shirts, the bad birdie shirts. Are they coming back now that you're in LA? You know, you're killing me um, <laughs> because I, I don't want to get myself in trouble, but um so the the great news is as ugly as some of those you know people thought they were. I had a lot of fun with Bad Birdie golf tees, and I actually had earned a sponsorship, which is not like some of the NIL money that some of these college players are making. But I actually had earned a sponsorship. But when we came back and realized that the WNBA rule either we you had to be dressed up in business attire or matching. Um, Nike attire that I was not going to be able to wear the Bad Birdie brand on the sideline anymore. I lost my sponsorship. But with that said, I still love them and I still support the brand and I um, wear them as much as I can before it's truly uh, dictated on uh, rules by the WNBA on what you can and cannot wear. Well, shout out to Bad Birdie. We'll make sure we tag them when this podcast get dropped. Um, would love to see that again someday. Coach, we cannot thank you enough. We know you are super busy. You've got a big schedule ahead of you. Um, we appreciate your time and, and sharing just kind of your journey, sharing your thoughts, sharing your vision uh, for what you plan on building out there in L.A. Thank you so much for joining us, and we will look forward to having you back, hopefully here in a few months. I appreciate it and appreciate what you do for our game, both of you.